tonight we are retracting the story. We don't know whether the information is inaccurate, but the fact is we do know it wasn't ready for broadcast, and for that, I apologize. From Pacifica Radio, this is the broadcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. Elsewhere in California on KFOI, Red Bluff Redding, KKRN, Round Mountain, KGOE in Eureka. In Oregon, on KYAQ on the Central Coast, KSO in Cottage Grove, KEPW in Eugene. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on WLRI. Maui, Hawaii, KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio, WGRN, Palinville, New York, WLPP. Grand Rapids, Michigan, WPRR. In New Orleans, Louisiana, WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico, KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire, WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas, on KPSQ, Seattle, Washington, KODX. In Janesville, Wisconsin, WADR. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, on AM 950, KTNF. And coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing the globe five days a week, usually hosted by Brad Friedman of Bradblog.com. But today, one more time, you got me, Nicole Sandler, host of The Nicole Sandler Show at NicoleSandler.com, doing uh, double duty, filling in for Brad and Desi, and happy to be here. Well, as usual these days, it's another busy news day (laughs) with just a lot of crazy stuff going on. So what I thought we would do today is start with a rundown of the latest news and information and then digging a little deeper on a couple of the stories as the the hour continues. As crazy as things are here in the U.S., they might be even crazier right now in the U.K., where there is big Brexit drama happening. Prime Minister Boris Johnson got the Queen to okay a suspension of Parliament known as a prorogue, which would cut short the amount of time opponents will have to block a no-deal Brexit. Parliament is set to return from its summer break on September 3rd. A five-week suspension starts a few days later. The U.K. is set to leave the European Union on October 31st. Thousands of people took to the streets across the U.K. on Wednesday evening, including crowds in central London who surrounded the Palace of Westminster, demanding the end of efforts to suspend Parliament launched earlier in the day by Boris Johnson. A little later in the hour, we'll speak with an American expatriate living in Wales. He's an author and a journalist. Dennis Campbell will be along to fill us in on exactly what's going on there. Closer to home, things are just as crazy as they've been. There's breaking news on Thursday. The Department of Justice's Inspector General has issued a scathing report stating that former FBI Director James Comey violated FBI policies and his employment agreement with the Bureau by leaking memos containing classified information. But 
The inspector general stopped short of recommending prosecution for retaining memos about interactions with the Trump White House and for disclosing one such memo to the media. The report did say they found no evidence that Comey or his attorneys released any of the classified information contained in any of the memos to members of the media. Trump's slow crawl toward fascism is speeding up. The Trump administration issuing a new federal policy on Wednesday that says children born overseas to some American parents serving in the military or working for the federal government may no longer automatically claim U.S. citizenship if their parents lived in the U.S. for less than five years. Hmm? Instead, officials said those parents must apply for citizenship on behalf of their children before they turn 18 years old. Hurricane Dorian thankfully swept by Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands on Wednesday, but is now on track for what could make landfall as a Category 3 or 4 storm in Florida over the weekend. While most of us were collectively concerned about a potential hit on Puerto Rico, the president instead went on the attack tweeting, quote, Puerto Rico is one of the most corrupt places on earth. Their political system is broken and their politicians are either incompetent or corrupt. Congress approved billions of dollars last time, more than any place else has ever gotten, and it is sent to crooked polls. No good. Trump has repeated a false claim that Congress sent $92 billion of aid to Puerto Rico. In reality, Congress has allocated $42.5 billion to disaster relief for Puerto Rico, but the island, as of May, had only received less than $14 billion. Oh, and then Trump said he was, quote, the best thing that ever happened to Puerto Rico. Yesterday, we reported to you what Lawrence O'Donnell told his viewers the night before that, quote, one source close to Deutsche Bank told him that the bank has Trump's tax returns and that Trump had received loans co-signed by, quote, Russian billionaires close to Vladimir Putin. At the time, I was troubled by the fact that the story was based on a single source. Although O'Donnell stressed during the original segment that it was from a single source and hadn't been verified by NBC, the network still received a letter from Trump lawyer Charles Harder demanding that they immediately and prominently retract and apologize for O'Donnell's reporting. So he did. Tonight we are retracting the story. We don't know whether the information is inaccurate, but the fact is we do know. It wasn't ready for broadcast, and for that, I apologize. Sadly, if this information does prove to be true, O'Donnell's impatience and horribly bad journalistic judgment only serve to give Trump more fuel in his attacks on the media. I also wonder why NBC didn't just call their bluff. With a lawsuit comes discovery. They'd have to turn over all the documents. Just saying. And it turns out that NBC isn't the only media outlet who got a letter from Trump's attorney. We'll speak with a blogger who was the recipient of one of them on Wednesday as well, coming up a little later in the hour on this edition of the broadcast. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand has ended her presidential campaign, narrowing the Democratic field to 20 candidates. Gillibrand became the first senator to drop out of the presidential race, a decision she announced after failing to gain enough donors or the poll standing needed to win a place on the September debate stage. And that stage is now set. Only 10 of the remaining 20 candidates qualified by Wednesday's deadline, so it'll be just one stage, 
one night, Thursday, September 12th on ABC. The 10 candidates who will be participating are Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, Cory Booker, Amy Klobuchar, Andrew Yang, Julian Castro, and Beto O'Rourke. The Trump administration is set to announce on Thursday that it intends to sharply curtail the regulation of methane emissions, a major contributor to climate change, this according to an industry official with knowledge of the plan. The EPA, in a proposed rule, will aim to eliminate federal government requirements that the oil and gas industry put in place technology to inspect for and repair methane leaks from wells, pipelines, and storage facilities. What's even more heinous about this is that major oil and gas companies have, in fact, opposed this move, just as some other industries have opposed the Trump administration's other major moves to dismantle climate change and other environmental rules put in place by Barack Obama. And finally, climate activist Greta Thunberg arrived in New York Harbor on Wednesday after sailing 3,000 miles across the Atlantic. The Swedish teenager sailed from Plymouth in the U.K. on a zero-emissions yacht to minimize the carbon footprint of her trip. The 16-year-old is attending a United Nations climate conference in New York in September. Upon her arrival, she told reporters her message for Donald Trump. My message for him is just listen to the science, and he obviously doesn't do that. If any, no one has been able to convince him about the climate crisis, the, the urgency, then why should I be able to do that? So I'm just going to, to now focus on, on spreading awareness and that people in general will start caring and realize how big of a crisis this is. Greta Thunberg is in the U.S. for the United Nations Climate Action Summit and says she sailed to avoid the greenhouse gas emissions that come with flying on a commercial jet. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. But we want to dive a little deeper into a couple of these stories that we just covered. So we'll take a quick time out and come back on the other side with blogger Tom Sullivan who got a letter from Donald Trump's attorney yesterday. I'm Nicole Sandler, your guest host on this edition of The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on The Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. To make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate and thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. I'm Nicole Sandler of NicoleSandler.com, holding down the fort for Brad and Desi while they take a few well-deserved days off. So earlier in the hour, 
I told you about Lawrence O'Donnell of MSNBC having to recant basically the story that he broke, so to speak, on his show earlier this week. To recap, he told his viewers that, quote, one source close to Deutsche Bank told him that the bank has Trump's tax returns and that Trump had received loans co-signed by Russian billionaires close to Vladimir Putin. Here's how he put it. A source close to Deutsche Bank says that the Trump tax returns reveal that the president pays little to no income taxes in some years. And the source says that Deutsche Bank is in possession of loan documents that show Donald Trump has obtained loans with co-signers and that he would not have been able to obtain those loans without co-signers. The source close to Deutsche Bank says that the co-signers of Donald Trump's Deutsche Bank loans are Russian billionaires close to Vladimir Putin. If true, that would explain every kind word Donald Trump has ever said about Russia and Vladimir Putin, if true. If true. If true, that would be a significant factor in Vladimir Putin's publicly stated preference for presidential candidate Donald Trump over presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. Wow. So that was a pretty intense charge. The red flag that was raised in my mind was when Lawrence O'Donnell said that it was one source. That doesn't meet the journalistic criteria necessary, especially on a bombshell story like this. So on Wednesday, Donald Trump's personal attorney, Charles Harder, threatened NBC Universal with a defamation suit over the broadcast the previous night and a tweet that Lawrence O'Donnell sent out basically saying the same thing. According to Harder's demand letter, quote, the program and tweet made the false and defamatory statements that Russian oligarchs co-signed loans provided to Mr. Trump by Deutsche Bank and described those co-signers as Russian billionaires close to Vladimir Putin. They demanded a retraction, and as we reported earlier, they got it. But the thing is, Lawrence O'Donnell wasn't the only person who got a threatening letter from Trump's attorney, Mr. Harder. Now, regular listeners of both the broadcast and the Nicole Sandler show are familiar with Digby, Heather Digby Pardon, who runs the Hullabaloo blog. One of the people who posts there regularly is Tom Sullivan, under the screen name Bloggers Are Us. And he reported on what Lawrence O'Donnell reported, basically saying, with all the caveats, if true, single source, and on and on, yet he also got a letter from Trump attorney Charles Harder demanding a retraction. So I thought we'd check in with Tom Sullivan to find out what happened. So joining me on the line right now is a friend, Tom Sullivan. He's a blogger and an activist. He's the author of For the Win, a great primer on getting out the vote, who we'll definitely be talking with about that as we get closer to uh, Election Day. Um, uh, Tom writes regularly at Digby's Hullabaloo at digby.blogspot.com under the um, moniker of Bloggers Are Us. And yesterday had a piece up over Digby's place. In fact, um, it's the piece that he posted there yesterday that prompted this conversation. So, Tom, (laughs) thank you so much for being here today to talk about this. Uh, You wrote a post titled From Russia with Strings that referenced Lawrence O'Donnell's show Tuesday night on MSNBC in which he said that a source close to Deutsche Bank told him 
that not only does the bank possess Trump's tax returns, but that Trump had received loans co-signed by, quote, Russian billionaires close to Vladimir Putin. Now, we know from various news reports that Trump's attorney, Charles Harder, immediately sent NBC Universal a letter demanding that they immediately and prominently retract the story and apologize for O'Donnell's reporting, saying, quote, these statements are false and defamatory and extremely damaging. Um, but that's not the only uh, media outlet that got one of those letters from Charles Harder yesterday, is it? Uh, no, it's not. So what happened? I got I I got one myself. Yeah. Um, okay. Somewhere about and the irony is I was uh, about to go into a board of elections briefing on North Carolina's voter ID requirements. Uh-huh. I live in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and um, just before the thing started, I get a blip on my phone and I got the same letter that uh, Lawrence O'Donnell got. And uh, started going, what is this about? And I popped around about eight minutes later. The Hollywood Reporter had a story up on it where uh, they they were talking about the letter and uh, responses to it. And I'm telling you, I have I've gone over a, a dozen or more commercial sites, and I have looked at many trying to figure out uh, if any were pressured to pull down or amend or apologize, which is, you know, the, the, uh, the letter that uh, went out to uh, um, NBC right. uh, for, for simply for that story. And in not my case, I mean, we're just a small blog. Right. Um, and uh, simply, re- you know, repeated what had been posted in his tweet uh, ahead of his show. And quite frankly, that tweet... Is still up. Yeah, there I saw it moments 90, ago. <laughs> yep. Yeah, ninety thousand likes or more, Ooh. thirty-eight thousand retweets, um, and I quite literally the first three words in the post were single-sourced and unconfirmed. Exactly, did not matter. R- right, and you know, I, when I saw the 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 original story on uh, Lawrence O'Donnell's last word. Um, I, I was a little put off by the fact that it was a single source, and I wondered how he ever got it past NBC to go on the air with it, because no serious journalist runs with a story without, um, without confirming it with additional sources. And I think at, at NBC, their rule is three. Um, so I was kind of surprised by it, wasn't surprised to see the pushback yesterday, but uh, the fact that you got a letter from from Trump's attorney is really weird, um, especially since, as you said, Tom, you did the research and uh, every other site has that story up. And as far as you know, none of them got a cease and desist letter. I've I've looked at I've maybe a dozen or more commercial sites. I have uh, polled other uh, folks at other blog sites that I know of, and nobody has come back and said that they got one of those letters. Um, it, it's, it's completely baffling. Um, basically I was already ready to run with, uh, a story discussing the Deutsche Bank having to admit, uh, that it had Trump's taxes, right. that federal judges basically pressured them to say, do you or don't you? So I had all those links ready to go and was talking about, uh, I was getting ready to write about that. And then O'Donnell 
put uh, put that out there, and I said, okay, well, it, it ties in, but it is uncon <laughs> it is single sourced, right. unconfirmed, and at the and and after quoting it like he did on the show, I wrote, if true, right. And he used that, that phrase throughout his entire report. Um, uh, you know, look, I, 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 I believe him. I believe that he has a source who is close to people at Deutsche Bank who knows this information. In fact, on Twitter, there's a really interesting um, thread from a woman, if I can find it here, um, who says she was at the hearing uh, of course, if, now that I'm looking for it, I'm not going to be able to find it. Um, uh, and basically, has has she's a she's a independent journalist. She's a freelancer, basically, who said she was at the hearings and um, believes that uh, here she Sandy Basham is her name B A C H O M. She wrote. I was in the courtroom yesterday, this was back a few months ago, during the Deutsche Bank arguments. They pretty much said Russian oligarchs' money laundered through Trump and Jared. I think he will act crazier and crazier to get out of this. We knew the argument was weak and what's coming, it's over. And then she retweeted that yesterday, adding to it, I was one of 49 people in the court during the Deutsche Bank hearings. I believe Lawrence will be vindicated. All of the Trump children, not so much. So, uh, you know... Again, there's but there's journalistic standards that they have to follow to check and double check to make sure they're correct. And I think Lawrence O'Donnell was really irresponsible here for being so impatient that he couldn't wait to get corroborating uh, information to then run with the story. It's 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 the media's quest to be first. Doesn't quite matter if they're right as long as they're first. That's the problem. And now. As I, I said, I believe this pro story probably is true, but he had to retract it last night. He sort of did it in a in a kind of half-assed way. He didn't apologize for the story. He apologized for uh, running with it, broadcasting it before it was ready to to be put out there. Um, I think he still believes it, but but I think this hurts the the credibility of the story when it finally does come to light, if it does that this happened. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I felt the same way, but it, it did sort of, I interlaced what he was doing with the story I already had going about the Deutsche Bank, which is what he, he rolled onto after he dropped that bomb. Right. Um, and of course that goes, that goes back a long way and it goes into, you know, wh where did, uh, where did Donald Trump come up with the cash he paid for a couple of these golf courses, yeah, uh -huh. and the, uh, the the rumors of money laundering, and and so on and so forth. As Basham uh, said, was being discussed in that courtroom, and I think that was May. Yeah. yeah, I mean, my question was her her response. Whatever she was hearing from the judges in that case, what did they know that they weren't saying? Because they had probably seen a lot of documents yeah. that weren't public. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, I look. I think the only answer to this is uh, for a judge to uh, order uh, now. Now that Deutsche Bank has said they do have his tax returns, order them released. Um, uh, and sure. I, I'm sure it'll all play out in the next few days. But the, the, the other really disquieting thing about all this is the fact that you, Tom Sullivan blogging at Digby's blog gets a threat from the president's lawyers 
that they're going to sue you over a blog post reporting on what someone else reported. I want to read Digby's response because she did post a response at digbysblog.blogspot.com. The headline of the post reads, We are very, very sorry, super sorry, very super sorry. And she writes, this morning, Tom Sullivan wrote a blog post in the space called From Russia with Strings, referencing a Lawrence O'Donnell segment on last night's Last Word. Later in the day, he received a letter from Charles Harder, attorney for the president, demanding that the post be retracted and an apology issued. She writes about the Hollywood Reporter story and who Harder is and that Lawrence O'Donnell... Um, uh, you know, she, she says, Mr. Harder is a lawyer who successfully sued Gawker. So obviously this little blog is no match for him. We do not have lawyers on staff or resources to hire them. NBC is fully capable of litigating any free speech issues pertaining to the president of the United States. And O'Donnell has backed off of his report. So, she continues, Tom, that would be you, and I, as proprietor of this blog, do hereby retract this post, citing a major news organization, and we are so, so, so sorry that we ever thought of doing such a thing on a blog in America in 2019. The President of the United States takes a very strong stand against public defamation, and we should follow his fine example." Moreover, let us <laughs> that that deserves some extra uh, marinating time there. Moreover, let us go on record assuring the Trump organization that we believe Donald Trump is the kindest, bravest, warmest, most wonderful human being we have ever known in our lives. And it's signed Digby. Um and I that guess qualifies that, Digby to be on the, in the cabinet, I think. I think so. To, to certainly to be present at a cabinet meeting. When they go around the table, um, you know, uh, look, I, I love Digby and I love that that she went overboard on this apology. Um, it's just so uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it, it, it's frightening. <laughs> it's so it's so uh, Orwellian, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, when we got when we got this, it, it was like, surely. We can't be the only <laughs> blog site out there or any, anybody who picked this up and mentioned it. And everybody I've talked to said, no, they haven't seen anything. And so I am completely baffled as to how we even got on that radar. Yeah, that's wild. Well, well, you know, Digby's blog is far-reaching. You never know who's reading it, and obviously, this is this is true. Yeah, obviously, uh, uh, she's probably got some readers inside the White House. Um, you know, <laughs> just saying. Yeah, that's great. But uh, I tell you, Brad Friedman, knowing that you were coming on uh, with me today on his show, made a good point. He said, um, "Now, can we can we talk about?" Uh, you being threatened by Trump's attorney over reporting on what someone else reported without getting threatened with a lawsuit ourselves? Um, based on what they're uh, I don't doing. Know where that, I don't know where that leaves the country. <laughs> uh, without a First Amendment. But he's already, look, uh, the part of the First Amendment that says Congress shall make no laws um, 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 limiting basically the freedom of speech or of a free press, um, he already is limiting the free press. I guess now it's about our free speech. Well, I, I, mean, I think what O'Donnell did, well, you know, he was going to have to do, um, you know, my, I, I, like you, I was going, 
how did he get how did he get to run with that with the single source unless yeah. it was like seriously good yeah um and when they came back and said no it wasn't that great or they they it didn't follow their standards i was like you know okay but the same story is all over the internet yeah everywhere you can't avoid everywhere. it Right. And every place I've asked, nobody else has seen such a letter. Wow. Um, and it, so that that's really, really puzzling. Um, now, of course, this is this is standard. This is standard Trump behavior. They, you know, the way he the way he's operated his entire career is to threaten to sue people to get them to back off and then uh, because especially people that they can either outspend uh or simply you know browbeat and so that there's there's nothing different here no not at all uh well i'll say to be continued because i'm sure this story isn't over yet i'm hoping that um nbc doesn't just let it drop with an apology and a retraction from Lawrence O'Donnell that they actually do the work to follow up and confirm what he reported. Uh, and then, right? And then we'll Right, right. Absolutely. It. I mean, I'm sure they've, uh, I'm sure uh, there are bloodhounds on that right now. I hope so. Um, but uh, I'm still, uh, I'm still poking around asking uh, anybody I know who writes online if they've, had any similar responses, and so far I've come up dry. Good. You know, uh, I haven't talked about this, but earlier in the week, I did an interview with, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm respecting his request for this to be off the record, so I'm not going to name who it is or what the story was, but a New York Times reporter, we recorded an interview over about a story that he had written, and after it was done, he emailed me begging um, forgiveness and um, asked that this be off the record and said, they're asking that I do not do any more report or any more press about this story. Is there any chance I can ask you not to air it? And he promised to owe me one. Well, I, I said I would. I, I didn't air it. Uh, this is the first I've mentioned it. But I'm holding on to it because it is a story that has to do with Donald Trump um, threatening, in a sense, uh, the media for not giving him the coverage that he thinks he deserves for for reporting on him in a in a in a manner that's not necessarily fawning and positive. Um, right. And I'm afraid that there's a real chilling effect from this administration. This is the understatement of the day on the free press. Um, so I'm sitting on this story, but it's in my back pocket because I have a feeling another shoe's going to drop here soon. Well, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm uh, slightly apprehensive, you know, we're having this conversation as well. Yeah, but right. on, the, on the other hand, uh, you know, when we discussed what to do, Digby decided, I got this. <laughs> and, and, and in her own inimitable style, she put up uh, a response and, and a retraction and a very, 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 very sorry. Yes, um, very sorry. And so, so that's that's out there. So mm-hmm. that's that's already been acknowledged. Oy, oy, oy. Well, to be continued. Hey, Tom Sullivan, as long as I've got you on the line, I know you've been working hard on this project. It's a get out the vote primer for the win. Uh, you were not quite ready when we spoke about it on my show for uh, you know the general release. Where are you on the process here? I'm hoping to get that out in um, 
January, uh, I've, I've been updating and sort of re-updating all my contacts around the country. Basically, I've been sending this to uh, basically county chairs around the country, and, and you, you find out uh, how many places around the country don't have them simply because they're either too rural or for other reasons they're not organized. Uh, I am uh, working with... Uh, with some other activists to put up a website this time um, because I basically uh, cold email people and say, here's the thing. If you just want to click on the download, mm-hmm. here's what it is. Mm-hmm. But Hey, I, I'm reluctant to click right. on of course. You know, a link somebody sends me. So we're putting up a website so the folks can go there and uh, uh, I'm hoping to pick up some, uh, some uh, blurbs from, from, prominent people who've seen it or know about it and uh, can uh, say nice things about it <laughs> right. and uh, encourage people to click uh, click the links. Well, you know, it's it's really important because uh, it's, you know, it's one of those cliches that gets under my skin when, when the TV pundits say, well, this election is going to come down to, you know, get getting out the vote. Well, no, duh. It's yeah. all, it all comes down to whoever gets out the vote the best. So this is why it is so important, because we need to get everybody to vote. So Tom Sullivan, we'll keep an eye out for that and um, certainly have you back on when it's ready to uh, be downloaded. Okay, then. All right. In the meantime, keep up the good work. And um, Donald Trump is the best, just the absolute best. He did nothing wrong. Isn't he amazing? Quite amazing. Unbelievable, in fact. Tom Sullivan, find him on Twitter at bloggersareus. And, of course, uh, blogging, among other places, at digbysblog.blogspot.com. Thanks, Tom. You're welcome. Somehow, I don't think we've heard the last of that story. Stay tuned. Coming up next on this edition of the broadcast, we're going to call across the pond to a friend of the show, Dennis Campbell. He's an American expatriate living in Wales. And maybe he can explain to us what's going on over there with Boris Johnson and Brexit and Parliament. Oh, my. I'm Nicole Sandler, your guest host today on the broadcast. Five major corporations now own over 80 percent of all media in the United States, but they don't control us. The broadcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Your support helps us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations across the country. You can make a real difference by supporting independent media. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. Join us at bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Hey, it's Nicole Sandler of The Nicole Sandler Show, and we've moved. Now you can hear my program Tuesdays through Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific, right here on the Progressive Voices Network. Find the show's home base, complete with access to over a decade of podcasts, classic music interviews, writings and pictures, and a place to make a donation, too, at NicoleSandler.com. Or just keep listening. The Nicole Sandler Show is now heard at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 Pacific, here on the Progressive Voices Network. We're back. I'm Nicole Sandler of NicoleSandler.com, filling in today for Brad and Desi on the broadcast. Have you been following what's going on over in the U.K.? I guess misery loves company, because things over there are almost as crazy as they are here. The new prime minister, Boris Johnson, got the queen to okay a suspension of parliament, something known as prorogue. 
cutting short the amount of time opponents will have to block a no-deal Brexit. It's also very confusing. So for some perspective, we're going to check in with a friend of the show, Dennis Campbell. He's an American expatriate living in Wales, who is my go-to guy over in the UK anytime there's something going on over there. Dennis is a journalist, an author, and a broadcaster living in Wales. Dennis, I'm almost afraid to ask, how are you? Because as bad as things have been over here, it, it looks like you guys are joining our party. Well, it, it, it's, it's one of those moments where you, you, you're just so overwhelmed by the pace of the news that, that it's, you, you sit there and you almost want to crawl into a fetal position because it's happening so quickly. I mean, right. literally since the time we agreed to do this and then the, the actual time we've come on air, we've had Ruth Davidson resign as the head of the Scottish Conservative and wow. Unionist Party. Now, she's the woman that everybody thought would lead the party after Theresa May left, uh, you know, but she's now left the party altogether and that's a huge blow. Uh, Raymond McCord has filed a third lawsuit now. This is not his third, but the third lawsuit over this breach of the Good Friday Agreement because the backstop is going to be um, basically gone and we're not going to be able to – we're going to have to put up a hard border between Northern Ireland and Ireland. Oh uh, the God. EU is blaming Boris for the prorogation, which is basically saying we're suspending parliament until the 15th or 14th of uh, October. Uh, one and a half million people have signed the petition against Parliament in less than 24 hours. And the newspapers call two days ago when uh, the Queen agreed because she had no choice. She was boxed into a corner the day democracy died. So wow. other than that, wow. now, how was the play? Yeah, right. Now, so Dennis Campbell, <laughs> you mentioned the word prorogation. Um, I, I'd never heard the word before yesterday, frankly, prorog. This is, this is <laughs> when uh, they suspend Parliament, right? It's only happened a few. It doesn't happen very often. It's, it's very rare, right? Right. And, and, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a, of, a, of a problem with the calendar this time of year in that they come back from their summer break and then they have a session. And right. then they typically go on a short uh, holiday of sorts while they go through the process of trying to sort out what are called conference season, whereas each of the major parties then have – their party conferences. So Labor has a three or four day over a week, and this goes on for about a month. There's still some business conducted, but not much. But what he's decided to do now, because he does not want anybody out there fighting over a no-deal Brexit, he just wants people to just be boxed into a corner and say, this is it. We did our best. We couldn't get a deal. We're out on the 31st. And uh, by proroguing uh, 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 Parliament, he's basically said, we're not going to. And he's used a small clause in the unwritten constitution, which kind of boxes the queen into a corner because, you know, she's asked him to form a government for her. So she's pretty much bound by whatever they decide wow. to do. So we're, we're, we're literally on uncharted ground here and that they're going to be shut down from the 9th of September until the 14th of October, which is two weeks before we're supposed to go crashing out of uh, the European Union with a no-deal Brexit. And this was done by Boris Johnson, uh, we believe, in order to uh, stop Parliament from debating and, 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 and keeping him from a no-deal Brexit? Yeah, well, yeah, he's basically he's basically said we're going. Uh-huh. So you're either with us or you're not and if you're not with us that's the way it's going to be. And I think he's trying to use it as a negotiating tactic 
to get the European Union leaders to basically come back to the negotiating table because everybody has called the deal that uh, Theresa May negotiated uh, not worth the paper it's written on, yet she did, she did have two years and I didn't particularly like the deal, but she came back with the deal. And of course, all anyone has done is just attack, attack, attack the deal. She brought it to a vote. Remember, we talked about this a while ago, where it fell by a hundred and some odd votes, which is usually enough to make a prime minister resign. Right. She stayed on and fought and fought and fought and fought for weeks and months. And, you know, we've, we've been playing this game for three years. So now all of a sudden we're in the hurry up offense in the last two minutes of the game here. And uh, all kinds of stuff is going on that's never happened before. Now, I mean, now, now, pardon, a, pardon my ignorance, but I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who are as naive about how things work over there as I am. Uh, Boris Johnson is prime minister, but the, 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 the public did not vote for him. How does no. this ha- how does this happen? Well, the, the way that the way the parliament is structured is that who whichever party is in control and. Let's face it, the Tories are nominally in control. The only if we go back a few months towards the more towards the beginning of this year, uh, Theresa May said, "Okay, I'm going to really try to get myself a supermajority here so that I don't have to fight with anybody." And basically, she lost seats in a general election right. earlier this year. Right. And in so doing, she had to then find a partner to go into coalition with. So she picked the Northern Ireland U- U- Unionist Party as the party she was going to work with. Only they demanded a billion pounds, which is about one point five million dollars, one point five billion dollars right? in a buyout, in a in a in a in a bribe for her to join the party. And she still hasn't voted fully, nor have all of her members. But they've been able to get through with you know five six vote margins barely on most of the stuff that they wanted to do. Wow! Wow! Okay, so, so now now he faces a potential vote of no confidence, which would which would throw the government into chaos and force an election. But really, the the, the only stop the coup option, which is the the big hashtag they've got out there now, is you know the Queen opens Parliament on the fourteenth with her speeches and a lot of pomp and circumstances and knocking of doors and you know crazy stuff that goes on. That takes a whole takes us till about two or three o'clock in the afternoon. So that's a whole day gone on the fourteenth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first real session is on the fifteenth. And I think what should happen is the opposing party should form a uni- unity government, basically seize power away from Boris. I think by then, if we have news cycles like we continue to have, because most of the Tories treat this as just a lot of sound and fury. I think this is very, very real. People are very upset with this. Well this well, new this new unity government then withdraws Article fifty and stops Brexit, orders a new referendum with a general election for sometime in January, 90 days out. And then, then the new parliament, the Lords, House of Lords and the Royals codify a constitution. So something like this can never happen again. Now, that would take years in the United States, but right. it can actually happen in a very short period of time here. Wow. Now, in the wake of all this that unfolded on Wednesday, on Wednesday night, thousands of people took to the streets across the U.K. I saw yep. some of the, the, the footage on TV. And um, uh, so is that still ongoing today? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, it's you know, people go to work and then they come back later in the evening. Uh, there, there's a big plan for a demonstration in uh, in Scotland, you see, the, all this has happened so quickly. Mm-hmm. It's only two or three days old, so right. the the opposition is going to take a while for it to get itself together. 
Um, I, a lot of people are weighing in. Um, one one tweet I saw yesterday from actor uh, Hugh Grant. Did you see this one? No. <laughs> the tweet's gone viral. What he said was, and I'll have to edit this for uh, for the broadcast. Quote: "You will not f- with my children's future. You will not destroy the freedoms my grandmother fought two world wars to defend. F- off, you overpromoted rubber bath toy. Britain is revolted by you and your little gang of masturbatory prefects." <laughs> that is such the perfect term to describe my local MP, who is a Tory sycophant, who just, you know, has planted his lips firmly on Boris Johnson's backside and is just not going to ever, ever let go. He'll do anything for party right. and forget everybody else. Now, there's um, a, a UK Labour Party member of parliament named Clive Davis. You're familiar with uh-huh. him? Okay. He said... If Boris Johnson thinks he can suspend Parliament and force through no deal, he has another thing coming. We will build a mass movement to save democracy, and everyone who wants to stop this travesty must get ready to mobilize, demonstrate, and resist. So they're they're calling for protests, and in fact, there was a brilliant video that's making the rounds by, I guess he's a British journalist and author and activist, Paul Mason? Yeah. Do you you know him? I know of him. Yeah. Okay, well, listen, listen to listen to this. <laughs> well, what's your message here today to Boris Johnson? Well, look, you know, Johnson came to power through a coup within the Tory Party. 140,000 people, white, aged, male, racist, mainly, voted for him. No, the point there is to become Prime Minister, you've got to win votes in Parliament. You don't have a legislative programme unless Parliament votes for it. He's no suspending Parliament in order to stop Parliament voting on on Brexit. And worse than that, his own people, people paid by by the taxpayer sitting in Downing Street, briefed the press this morning that if we should win a vote in Parliament against this no deal, he'll ignore it anyway. That is as close to a third world style coup as we're ever going to come in Britain. And what I'm calling for people to do right now is to join us on the streets until it stops. It's not going to be easy, it's not going to be quick, but join us on the streets until it stops. We need a mass peaceful resistance. That is, it was mass peaceful resistance that got us every part of this democratic institution we're looking at here in Westminster to defend it. It's utterly fragile. This beautiful thing that the people rule a country is utterly fragile, and to defend it, we need to put our bodies on the line. That's what I've learned from my reporting the last five, ten years. At a certain point, everybody is asked, where am I going to put my body in the defence of democracy and human rights? And my body is staying here until we win. Do you think his lack of a popular mandate makes the decision to prorogue even more suspect? It's not even suspect. It is, it's, it's so clearly programmed. As soon as the MPs said, we're going to unite to stop you, he's pulling the plug on Parliament. It's, it, it's a plan. Whose plan is it? It's the plan of the elite. It's the plan of the billionaires behind Trump, the dark money behind Nigel Farage. It's a plan. It's being executed. And, you know, I know people just don't, would rather be doing something else. So would I. Yeah, it's still summer in my head. But... It's at times like this that your democracy can be stolen from under your nose. Trump waded in today. What's your response to him saying that Jeremy... Trump is my response. (laughs) Trump. Trump, full stop, exclamation mark, (laughs) underline. I mean, the guy doesn't understand democracy. You know, what what right is he to to dictate the outcome of a British political crisis? Exactly. But of course, that's what it is. The whole design... For me, by the way, this is no longer about Brexit. With, with, with or without Brexit, leave or remain, the issue is, are we going to become a colony of Trump's America and lose our democracy or not?
Wow. Again, that, that's a, a British yeah. journalist and author and activist named Paul Mason, obviously speaking with a, a, a reporter outside of uh, Westminster yesterday as this protest began. And, and I'm guessing that we'll see throughout uh, the UK over the next few days, these protests only grow. Well, yeah, and they're not going to go anywhere. I mean, we've, we've got this uh, this tosser who's a member of uh, the Tory party, Jacob Rees-Mogg, uh, who names his children, by the way, after popes. It's, he's, 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 a, he's, one of the, he's got a rod shoved so far up his backside. He, 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 when he speaks, you can't even tell. It's mm. ridiculous. He thinks our anger at Johnson's move to prorogue parliament is confected. Now, this is one of the most arrogant and patronizing bullies of our time. Uh -huh. And he's so sycophantic. But this is how most, <clears throat> most of the Tories feel. But in labor, I'm also quite concerned because you've got um, Jeremy Corbyn as the leader, but he also is for Brexit. Is he? And mm. this is, you know, but I think what's happening is that he's becoming more and more a remainer only from the perspective of we really should be fake. We really should be looking at ways in which we can defeat the Tories, and he thinks this will do it. But the problem is, is as we've talked about before, you know, his anti-Semitism and other issues have caused a real division within his own party, and this, I think, is the one thing that we have to be extraordinarily careful of because I don't think he's strong enough to win a general election, nor is Labour at this point, which leaves you with the Liberal Democrats who have done very, very well. Uh, they picked up a seat here in Wales by basically having the Green Party, the um, the, the, the Clyde Park Cymru, uh, local Welsh National Party, and anybody else from the left drop out of standing so the Liberal Democrat could go head-to-head -head against Tory and Labour, and she, uh, Jane Dodds, uh, crushed the, the conservative, the Tory that was there. And their stock is rising. The question is, are they going to end up getting in their own way and defeating it? But we could have a true three-party system if they get themselves back up to 50, 60 seats in uh -huh. government. They basically make it impossible for any party to go without them. Now, they already made the mistake back in 2010 of going into government with the Tories. I don't right. think they'd do that again, but they could end up going into government with Labour, which then would secure at least something that looks like a somewhat of a leftist government. Yeah. Now, but, just, to, just to define the, uh, the vernacular, um, the, yeah. to the Tories are the conservatives. They're like the Republicans. The, the yes. Labour Party is more like the Democratic Party, the more progressive uh, of the party. And the Liberal Democrats, that doesn't comport with what we think of <laughs> Liberal Democrats here in the U.S. They're, they're more in the middle of the two groups. Is that fair? They are. They're, 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 they're leftists, but they're also, um, you know, they did go into government with the Tories in 2010 and it cost them dramatically. I mean, they went right. from 60 seats down to eight. Uh, they've gradually worked themselves back up where I believe they're now in double digits. So it's no longer just a minivan. We can actually rent a small bus to move the entire party from <laughs> oy, place oy, to oy. place. Oy. But, it, <laughs> you know, you know. I, I, I got to say, you know, oftentimes truth is stranger than fiction. And these days we're seeing a lot of fiction imitating art, uh, uh, imitating real life. Um, and I, I often say, if somebody can't, went to a big movie studio with a script based on what's happening right now, <laughs> they'd be laughed out of the office. But there's a show that I just watched. I, I'm five episodes into a, what's a six-episode series on HBO called Years and Years. Have you heard of this? No. 
you need to check it out because it's set in the UK about five years. It starts five years from now. So it's five years in the future, basically. And oh, okay. it deals with there's a, a, a Trump-like or I guess Johnson-like character played by Emma Thompson. The character's name is Vivian Rook, I believe, who is like a Donald Trump figure who rises to power in the UK. And it's it, yeah. it's terrifying. It, it, well, there's a lot of dystopian fiction out there right uh -huh. now that is, I mean, that is, that, that is, you know, looking at what the world would be like. I mean, a friend of mine, Frances Hay, uh, just just released a book called The Night Fogs, in which she talks about life in in Wales and Cardiff post Brexit. And it's the same sort of thing. Everybody's already done. Hell, I've got a screenplay nearly completed in which I've talked about basically the it opens with the assassination of four conservative members of the U.S. Supreme Court Ooh. and then builds from there. So oh it's, it's like there's all sorts of stuff out there based on partly a reaction to what is happening with Trump and Boris and, and everything else, but also a, a real demand for us to go back to the way things were, not in the 1950s, but in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, when we did care about, you know, what was going on with people, and 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 we had a progressive uh, view on things such as discrimination, et cetera, et cetera. So, we've we've lost a lot under these despots, but the tide, I believe, is turning. But that's, that's <laughs> I hope you're right, because I'm looking at a world with, you know, Boris Johnson as the Prime Minister of the UK and Donald Trump. As president of the United States, which just uh, bile rises in my throat when I say those words. I um, know, I know. It, so, uh, I mean, I'm hoping I look at the polls. It looks like, you know, Trump has a has a ceiling of 40 percent uh, in all the the one on one matchups against the, the leading Democratic contenders. That's the highest he registers. And he's beat by all the, you know, the, the Democrats that have they've polled against him. It's still terrifying because I see how he can manipulate uh, what's remaining of our government. And it's all his acting secretaries. And, you know, I, I wonder, I don't know if you remember, uh, Dennis, last year at some point, there was a, an anonymous op-ed published by the New York Times when it said, yeah. we are the resistance inside the White House. Don't worry. We, we basically, we got your back. Um, I'd love for somebody to follow up with the New York Times and see if, without revealing who it was, the people who penned that op-ed are still in the White House. Probably not. That's uh, probably not. Yep. Most of the breaks are gone. I mean, you know, you can look down. I mean, Mattis came out of hiding yesterday. Yep. He was yep. in, he was in the witness protection program. Yep. And uh, you know, it's just I think it's it's what it's going to take is it's going to take a few members of the Republican Party to real. I mean, and I'm talking not the ones that are you know retiring, so we can't really do anything to right. them. But, yep. but you know, and I mean, I I look at this and I say, what the hell happened to people like Romney? Where did his spine go? <laughs> was it removed surgically before he ended it? Entered into the spine. Senate. It's yeah. just ridiculous to watch. Yeah. No, it's it's horrific, and it, it's it's a you know it's a slow moving coup. And and what I, I in my what's news segment today, I I started it off by saying that um, uh, something along the lines of that slow creep into fascism is picking up speed because did you, I don't know if you heard yesterday the Trump administration issued a new policy that says children born overseas to some American parents serving in the military or working yeah. for the federal government no longer can automatically claim U.S. Uh, citizenship. 
if their parents lived in the U.S. There's, I mean, you serve in the military and you have a child overseas and they're not automatically a citizen. I mean, it's it's frightening just what this man is doing in our name. And and now you know you guys are in the same boat. Yeah, and and it it doesn't seem to be improving at all because you know, but but again, there's a little bit more. Um, sensibility and education over here. And, and, you know, I don't mean that to denigrate. I mean that just to say that people are well read here. I mean, you go into a news agent and people actually buy one of nine or 10 papers that are out there and people actually read those papers. Um, you know, and, and there are real discussions. And if you get a chance to sit and listen to a parliamentary debate, it is very thoughtful and very considered. Uh, and there's very few, um, Joe, whatever his name was, you lie right, type thing. There's, there's, there's a sense of decorum. But they do come you know? to blows in Parliament. I mean, I've seen that in the House of Commons, right? Well, well not here, no. But in other countries, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Okay. Their parliaments right. go absolutely crazy. But that's that's that happens. Right. <laughs> All right. The blows are verbal and, and, and the, 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 the jabs are, you know, yeah. and, yeah. you know, noises. Um, uh, One last question, Dennis Campbell. If you had to make a prediction, uh, how do you think this is all going to play out over there? I I don't know. I'm I'm still a bit of an optimist. I still think that uh, something's going to happen with some form in this government where they're going to be forced to do something they don't want to do, and that is listen. Mm. And uh, and I think they're going to – the ability to just have a no – deal Brexit is going to go away in one form or another, whether they pass a law which says you can't do it, which is likely, or they follow what I said earlier in this podcast, you know, the the opposing parties form a unity government. Mm -hmm. They just say, that's it. We're done with Article 50. That stops the Brexit clock. And in so doing, they order a new referendum and a general election for January. That at least takes the sword of Damocles away from our head. I mean, people are stockpiling food right now. They're stockpiling medicines right, right now. It's I've heard. insane. It is insane. It's, insane. Ugh, it's The world is insane. Dennis Campbell, you can find him on Twitter at ClientLoyaltyDC. And, um, you know, here when there's breaking news over there. Uh, <laughs> and we, we, Dennis Campbell has an announcement of an upcoming project, uh, hopefully in the very near future. So we'll have you back on when it's time to announce that. And As always, podcast coming. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thank you. As always, I always appreciate your input. Thanks, Dennis. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Bradcast. I'm Nicole Sandler. It's been my pleasure, as always, filling in for Brad and Desi. If you like what you hear, I invite you to check out my show. The Nicole Sandler Show is based at NicoleSandler.com. I'm on live Tuesdays through Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, and heard on the Progressive Voices Network at 5 Pacific, 2 Eastern. And you can always get the podcast anytime, always free, at NicoleSandler.com. Brad and Desi will be back next time, and I'll see you soon, I'm sure. Until then, as Brad always says, good luck, world. Hi, Truth Seekers. It's Mike Malloy. I want you to join me weeknights at 9 p.m. in the East, 6 p.m. in the West on the Progressive Voices Network for three hours of fearless fun and frivolity. 
that's not afraid to tackle the neoconservative noise machine. We offer insight and analysis on topics that matter most to you, the American citizen, not the corporations. In fact, we have no corporate sponsors, and that means we can deliver the unvarnished, uncensored truth on the news of the day. With election season fast approaching, you will soon be bombarded with confusing, mostly conservative propaganda designed to lull you into a coma, so you will rubber stamp the candidate the corporate media decides you want. You deserve better. My program will make you think, but I will never tell you what to think. Listen for yourself. The Mike Malloy Show weeknights on the Progressive Voices Network. Always progressive, always on. Keep it lit and tell your friends.